Do you feel like you can't or shouldn't go on with the way things are in your life? Had enough pain over betrayal? Are you letting fear about money or rejection ruin your life? Are you stuck in low self-esteem, wishing you could get a fresh start? If so, this next hour is dedicated to you. This is the show where you can ask all your important personal questions and find out what you can do to start creating more joy and intimacy in your life. Listen in as Jane speaks with callers about their issues and shares her unique insights and strategies for living a more extraordinary life. And now, your host, Jane Strauss. And I want to welcome you to the Ask Jane Show on Green 960. Each hour, I'll be taking your calls to help you resolve your relationship difficulties. Together, we're going to say boo back to your fears, release your self-judgments, and question the authority of any limiting beliefs you have. This is your show. So if you would like compassionate insights or to be a guest on the show, contact me directly at jane at janestrauss.com. And that's S-T-R-A-U-S-1-S dot com with your questions and concerns. I'm here for you. Okay, Gail, what's going on for you? Jane, sometimes I think you know in your heart what's right, but you've just got to have some expert advice. So I'm counting on you for this one. (laughs) Okay. I am 48 years old, divorced a few years, um, and have been seeing a man who has just turned 50. And he has been divorced, I think, 18 years, was married briefly once. We get along wonderfully when things are going well. When they're not, mm-hmm. it just couldn't be worse. And he has some he has some reactions to things that I just think are odd that he does not. For example, he has an absolute one hundred percent you cannot fail at this rule that he cannot be interrupted when he's talking. Uh-huh. What happens if you interrupt him? He will either snap at me. Uh, get angry immediately, Um, or, as in the case of the last time he did this about a week ago, he had just walked into my house. Uh, He was very agitated and and for good reason about an issue that had nothing to to do with me. Mm -hmm. And as he was talking, at one point in the middle of a sentence, I said, yeah. He got angry, he turned around, and he left. He'd been at my house Three and a half minutes, maybe. Uh-huh. I have not heard from him since, and it's been a week. And is this a typical scenario in your relationship? <sighs> Unfortunately, it is. Uh-huh. And he can really be a master of the silent treatment. Does now, he... when he comes back to yeah, me, Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. What do you mean he's fine? Does he apologize? No. To him, this is a deal breaker. And I know for a fact that about six or seven years ago, he was involved with what sounded like an absolutely wonderful woman, and he broke off their engagement because she interrupted him too much. They even went to counseling over it. And what did the counselor have to say? Do you know? Did he tell you? I did not. I have never really asked those sort of probing questions. But in the end, I guess they could make either no headway or he didn't agree with her, and they, he broke off the relationship completely. So when you, how did you first realize that this was going to be an issue in your relationship? Well, at first, I had to agree with them that it is good to learn not to interrupt people. But as I've seen him now for almost three years, believe it or not, and um, now I would say I'm about, now I'll give myself, I'm pretty much 95% good about not doing so. Not doing what? When you say not, not interrupting, doing so, Gail, uh-huh. not interrupting him. Uh-huh. When I do, you've been tends, trained. <laughs> I've been. Tra- I guess I have. <laughs> um, and when I do, it tends to be in the nature of what I think of as an affirmation. Yes, I understand. Mm-hmm, that's right. And it can literally just be uh huh. And he feels so thrown off that that's considered an interruption. Mm-hmm. And I can't. 100% perfect, but his tolerance level is absolutely zero on this. He's broken up with me over little things like similar to this two or three times, and he always comes back. And I have left and dated other people, and 
he it's very funny. He is, without fail, something brings him back. And we are talking today with Gail, who's in a relationship with someone who's got some control issues in terms of being interrupted, and it's she's kind of in a make-it-or-break-it situation here, and we're going to look at what her next step is. Okay, Gail, here we are, back with you. Good. Okay, so it sounds to me like you don't want to break up if you don't have to, but you don't know what else to do. Have I got that right? You do. Okay. Uh, that, that puts it pretty succinctly. Okay. <laughs> Well, it sounds, you know, there may be people who are listening to this who think, oh, just break up with the guy. But nobody's in your shoes. Nobody knows what his good qualities are that you fell in love with and the times that are good for you. So it's for, you know, it's not for us to judge. And it really sounds like you're just trying to find something that you can do. The thing that we tend to try to do is we try to change somebody else and fix them so that it'll work for us. And that doesn't work. And it sounds like you're focusing a lot on if he would just blah, blah, blah. But here's what I'm getting for you, Gail, is that you're not standing up for yourself for whatever reason. And maybe it's true that the reason is that you're afraid of being alone and you don't want to be alone and you don't want to give up on him. And so you're biting your tongue. Here he is accusing you of interrupting, but the truth is you're biting your tongue in this relationship. And... Uh, if you continue to do that, you'll get the same result, which is you know what the end result is. You can write the end of this chapter and know that you're going to eventually break up with him and be heartbroken over it, right? Yes. Okay. Although I've survived the what I thought were breakups before. Yeah, but you you, know? you don't want to have to go to that point, it sounds like. So let's I focus. Really, I really don't because right. every time I've had what I thought was a breakup and I've dated other people, you know, this, there are they, they don't compare for me. They've mm-hmm. never, I've never. If I had found a substitute, I would never have let him back. Right. But he is a pretty unique individual in a lot of other ways. I get that. So, no criticism there. So let's talk about what you can do here. Okay, steps that okay. you can take. So, Gail, how does it feel to you to not feel important enough? To him, I mean, that's really what you're saying here. This is that you don't feel important enough to him to have him want to do this for you. What does that feel like for you? I don't think he's capable of it. No, what does it feel like for you that you don't feel important enough? I mean, obviously, he's important enough to you that you take him back over and over without an apology, that you're here on the phone with me bearing your soul, trying to look for things to do, but you don't feel important enough to him that he's willing to do anything about this. I mean, that's the thing that I think you need to really be with right now, just what that feels like to you. And it doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't feel good, does it? No, it doesn't. And you know what? When you're not feeling important to somebody else that you wish you felt important to, really the first thing to do then, Gail, is to make sure that you act and behave and do things that make you important to yourself. Because otherwise, you know, have you heard the expression that the world mirrors our beliefs about ourselves? The idea is... I've never heard that, but I understand what that means. You do. Okay. So nobody treats us in in a way that um, is better or worse than how we think about ourselves, really. So he's a mirror for you. If he's mirroring that you're not important, then you somehow are giving him the message that you're not important because you're not being important to you. So before you even think about having to break up with him or what are you going to do to change him... How are you not being important to yourself? What's one place in your own life that you could change something, that you could behave differently, do something to let yourself know that you are important, to start believing that you're important to yourself? And it may not be in the relationship with him. It may be someplace else. There are probably a lot of places where you don't treat yourself as though you're important. Well, I actually run my own business, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm pretty tough in the 
business world. I'm doing very well, even in this economy. Good for you. And I, yeah, it's amazing. And I, I think this is the one area where I don't. Mm-hmm. And I, the one thing I could probably do a little better is, um, I think, perhaps a little better time management with him. And that, and that when he calls and wants to do something, to not necessarily say yes when not, it's at the last minute. Okay, so not to jump when plan. he not to jump when he says jump. Right. Okay. That, that he needs to plan ahead. That he needs to respect my time. You know what? Sometimes Gail? I'm available, but sometimes I'm not, Gail? and I will still run around for him. Right. And you know what? If you, what's so interesting is sometimes all it takes is tweaking one thing that's our issue, like making yourself more important for yourself in this way, and the whole dance of the relationship changes because people can feel when there's a shift. When we're doing something differently, when we're changing the dance steps, the whole relationship dance changes. So before you get drastic, I want you to commit right now on the air with me that this is what you're going to do, that when he calls and says, let's do something right now, if it's not good for you, you're going to ask him to plan and to be thoughtful that way with you. Are you willing to do that? That I can do, and I like that approach a lot. Good. It sounds doable for me because I can't, I can't, um, explain my way out of interrupting him. There's just no discussing that. Right. You can't. You can't go and get to that tender issue. The thing that you can do is change something for yourself, and that will make a difference because he'll start mirroring what he sees as different in you, and that's what you want. That's really where the power is without being overpowering or taking his power away. It's about empowering yourself here. So, Gail, you did a really great job with this, and now you've got something that you know you can do for yourself, right? I do. This is great advice. I would have never thought of this. Excellent, Gail. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for your call. And let Thank let me you. know. Email me and let me know how it goes. Jane, I will. Thank you so uh-huh. much. Bye-bye. Do you know the difference between a dash and a hyphen? Can't figure out when to use a colon or a semicolon? Wondering when to say I or me? Do you want to polish your resume? Then you need the best-selling blue book of grammar and punctuation, which has been endorsed by thousands of teachers, business professionals, and homeschoolers. To see the entire content of the blue book, visit grammarbook.com, G-R-A-M-M-A-R book. There you can read the easy to follow rules and examples and take hundreds of fun interactive quizzes. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Its success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. Support Room to Read today. Help provide an education and a brighter future to the world's children. Visit the website at roomtoread.org. When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers comfort, care, and support, enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice's care extends to the entire family. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by the loss of a loved one through its community grief support program. Hospice by the Bay's care is available in Marin, San Francisco, and Sonoma counties, and is funded by reimbursement from Medicare and private insurance, and through financial support from community members and businesses. For information on how they can help you and your family during difficult times or how you can support their work, call 415-927-2273, 415-927-2273, or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's hospicebythebay.org. Now it's time for more of Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert and best-selling author Jane Strauss. Ask Jane your important question. Her email is jane at janestraus, dot com. And now, here's Jane. Hi, welcome back to the Ask Jane Show. I'm your host, Jane Strauss, and we're happy to be here on Green 960. We have Brenda on the line right now. 
And Brenda, how are you doing today? I'm good. Tell us what's going on for you and how I can be helpful. Okay. Well, yeah, I'd really appreciate your help. Um, I'm about, I'm a little over into a year of grieving for um, my boyfriend who died of cancer. Unfortunately, it was very quickly, like way many months, even years before we thought um, he would go. I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. It's been a real learning process is all I can tell you, Mm -hmm. you know, and changes every day. But um, basically, uh, I had a real shock at like his, uh, in the hospital and the ICU at his deathbed because there was another woman there. And it was like, evidently, he'd been carrying on a relationship and I I didn't know. And so, like, it sort of doubled the grief, you know what I mean? I think it would mm-hmm. cause this enormous shock, and um, it just made grieving more difficult. I can imagine, now, because there must have been a lot of anger and hurt mixed in on top of the grief. You got it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So did you have a chance to confront him or talk to him before he passed? No, this was, uh, I mean, that was the really sad thing was that, like, he, um, he had, had been having lots of chemo, and so it caused, like, um, um, I don't know, something went wrong with his bowel, and he actually died of sepsis, and mm-hmm. so he went into toxic shock and never and so we didn't get to say goodbye you know and I probably wouldn't have like confronted him on the deathbed but I probably would have said like you know I probably would have asked some basic questions why couldn't you tell me who what's going on who is this like you know I love you and you know but please like I just need to know the truth so I can know what to think so I it's still all a mystery but you know and um so did you, you know, Brenda, did you ever talk to this stranger in the room? Did you two ever she, sit down? Um, she was, um, she insisted that we talk. I mean, obviously she knew about me and I didn't know about her. And um, I didn't want to have anything to do with it because, like, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, I guess I was still hoping he would somehow get better even though, like, you know, I, I was in denial, you know, and I hoped that somehow he would still have some time. So I was really concentrating on Robert, was his name. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I just, you know, my friends and I were just, like, there for him. And um, so, but then she insisted that we talk and, like, sort of use the head nurse as, like, almost like an administrative assistant to, like, work out a meeting. And I said, okay, I don't really feel the need to, but if she's insistent upon it, okay, I'll talk to her. And um, she wanted to, like, hug and stuff like that, which was felt inappropriate to me, you know. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> did, you, did you ever have the conversation then with her? I did, you know. My, and so she insisted on hugging me. It was like an awkward hug, you know, and uh, where I was just standing there. And then she was like, you know, I'm so sorry. And she was like, she's British, and she was like calling me sweetie and things like that. I mean, you know, I I just keep the word inappropriate just, like, keeps echoing through my mind, like, you know. um, It sounded like she was looking for some absolution from you, some forgiveness, some sisterhood, really, in this situation that you weren't feeling because you were in a whole different place with it. Right. Well, see, obviously, she, I mean, I know she knew about me because she referenced it. You know, she said that, like, um... You know, she said that, like, you know, Robert would, like, talk about, like, you know, he would mention me to her, and I guess it was in, like, you know, I don't even remember the exact words because, again, I was in shock. But it seemed like she, it seemed like she uh, thought I was a nice person, you know, that would just, like, hug her and say, hey, sure, we can be friends, you know. Um, But, of course, I had never didn't know her name, didn't know she existed, and so I was just, like, coming into this, like, shock of, like, a different, or it was like there was an alternate universe. So almost. here it is a year later. Yeah, a little over a year. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you still have a lot of questions unanswered. I do, but, like, I, I don't even really want to know, like, who she was and what it was and how long it was going on. I think I can sort of just assume that, you know, mm-hmm. it was a romantic relationship and what are um, your questions what questions do you have that are nagging for you 
I think, uh, you know, I think like, you know, how long, you know, geez, how long was this going on? (laughs) And what uh, would that, if you knew how long it was, tell me what you think that would do for you. Let's just look at that for a moment. If you knew the answer to that. Right. Um, well, I think it would just, like, uh, you know, I mean, for one thing, like, you know, obviously my friends, like, were experiencing this shock, too, because he was their friend. And some of them just said maybe it was like an old flame and they reconnected because he knew he was dying and people do that. So, you know, I guess it would have been nice to know if that was the case. So but, did you, you know, so it sounds like what you, what's nagging at you and what you would want to know is, were you as special as you thought you were yeah. to Robert? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes, there was someone else in some way, but were you special? Right. Yeah, was I the one? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what I want to ask you to do is to trust your own experience when you were with Robert around that, because that's where you're going to find your answer. Mm-hmm. And you only you know the answer to that. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat this and say, oh, I'm sure it was wonderful and you were special. I can't reassure you. Right. But you can in some way know the truth for yourself. Right. And so I want you to even right now in this moment, check inside on your experience with Robert and your relationship with Robert. And did you feel special? Yes. Okay. Then that's your answer. Okay. Then nothing else matters. The details, anything else really does not matter. Because what you had with him and what you know you had with him is the most real thing. Right. Yeah. Then... That does help a lot because, yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, I didn't sort of think of it that way. All this, see, that's what happened was all this external, almost like garbage, you right. know, well, like people... just spilled into like the situation, uh-huh. you know. Right. And that happens because people have bring in their own histories and they bring in their own fears and their own belief systems and they superimpose them in in the name of love. They'll do it with us. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. and so, you know, here you are in a very vulnerable, very vulnerable situation, and it's hard not to take that on. But, right. But underneath all of that is the truth of your own heart and the truth of your own experience. Yeah. And it sounds to me, you know, just in hearing you in tears right now, that what you had with Robert was indeed very special. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And you have a right to honor that, and you have a right to be honored for that. And let's just do that as publicly right now as we can over the air to honor you and and your relationship with Robert. Okay. Okay? Yes. And I hope that that brings you some peace, because that's what you deserve here is the peace. And And I hear that it isn't the peace of mind about what happened and the details of it. You don't need that. That's I don't. Not, that's not where peace is coming from for you. Peace is coming from checking in with your own heart and your own truth. So you have that right now. I do. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. You're very welcome. So, again, you know, let me know how you're doing, and hopefully this will carry along with you and allow you to move on in your own life, whatever that means for you, so that you don't have to feel stuck with it, any ickiness around this. Yeah, that's this. exactly the word I've been using, oh. is telling is stuck. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And I just want to get unstuck. Well, you just got unstuck. Trust that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're that's welcome. A nice holiday present. Well, good. <laughs> you deserve it. Okay. Okay. Take good care. Thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye bye. you like what you're hearing on the Ask Jane Show? Well, then visit janestrauss.com to ask Jane your questions and to read her blog. You can also read excerpts from Jane's remarkable book, Enough is Enough, which will help you stop enduring and start living a more extraordinary life now.
You can also watch Jane's video, 10 Keys to an Extraordinary Life, by visiting janestrauss.com. That's janestraus.com. Isn't it time you started living the life you want now? When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers the care and support, enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by loss through its grief support program. For information on how they can help you and your family, call 415-927-2273 or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's www.hospicebythebay.org. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert, Jane Strauss. What would you like to ask Jane? Her email is jane at janestrauss.com, S-T-R-A-U-S dot com. For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. We've got Stuart on the line right now, and he's calling about some resentment that he has with his mom. So, Stuart, you there? I'm here, Jane. Okay, great. Why don't you start us off and tell us what's going on a little bit? Sure. Um, My mom is 91 and has been living near us for about uh, nine years. When you say us, uh, who's who's us? Oh, my my wife and myself. Okay, mm-hmm. And um, about six months ago, uh, she finally agreed and realized, yes, she needed to to move somewhere else. She was living in a condo on her own, but really isolated, and so she never got out. And, um, you know, and we just felt she needed more. Plus, she was, she was 90 at that time, and she'd had some falls. And so um, in talking with her doctor, uh, the doctor really said, you know, Stella, that's my mom's name, you need to move into an assisted living facility where there are people there who can help you make right. sure your meds are, you know. So we got her out there. But now what happens is when she has a doctor's appointment, um, it, it takes about four hours out of my day. By the time I, I go get her, it's only a few miles, but go get her, get her ready, take her. We usually then have to stop and eat somewhere. And, you know, it just the time builds up and it just, Ah, it just it just bothers me taking that much time out of my day. I know I shouldn't feel that way. Well, there's never do. there's never a should about feelings. If we try to should our feelings away, they just come back and bite us in the butt. So mm. let's not let's not should you out of your feelings. Let's deal with your feelings compassionately here. First of all, did this resentment with your mom just start with this with the idea of a lot of your time being taken up to take her to doctor's appointments, et cetera, or is there something in the first 90 years? Not that you're 90. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about all of those 90 years, but yeah. uh, uh, no, I, I don't think there was anything prior because when she was uh, still independent in her 80s in driving and things like that, uh, she would come by. I mean, she lived five blocks away or we'd go over there, but she really respected our time, and she still, you know, attempts to respect our time now. Okay, but Stuart, what I'm asking you is, did you have any resentment towards your mom prior to this, to her moving into the assisted living situation? No. Nothing. No, I don't think Nothing. So. Wow. <laughs> You're a rarity. So you had this great relationship with your mom, and everything was okay, and then this happened, and this really started a resentment for you. And I'm willing to believe that. I just really want to check with you about this. Well, I mean, there may have been some, but it didn't take, the thing was, it didn't take the amount of time as it does now. Okay, but I'm asking, but I'm really asking you to not sweep any resentment under the rug just for right now, okay? Okay. So if there was any prior resentment, like what, if you could just look back and say, yeah, there was one lingering there, what would that have been? I, I think um, the fact that, that she would never, never, ever get over uh, my dad's death, which was like about 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. And how did and that so, impact you, her not, you know, her not getting over your dad's death? What did that mean for you, um, I don't know, growing up or as a young man? Tell, tell us about that. I, I don't think I saw much of it while I was growing up, because nine years after his death, she remarried. 
but it was always uh, the fact that she could never look to the future. And that just, that bothered me because mm -hmm. you can't replace anything and you can't undo anything in the past. And I felt that she was missing out by not trying to be positive, looking to the future. What can I do now? Uh -huh. It impacted me in that everything was always about what a great life it was back then. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like no matter you know what you did, you couldn't give her a great life in the now because of that, that there was nothing that you could do that would make her happy? Well, I tried. She wouldn't divorce her husband at the time. Uh-huh. So, well, there was nothing we could really do. Mm -hmm. And um, then, then he passed away literally the day that they were moving uh, from Oklahoma to Idaho to live near us. Mm -hmm. So, so you then have... when she got up here, it mm -hmm. was it, a lot of it just continued along the same lines. We tried to get her involved in some senior organizations and doing things. And mm -hmm. no, that's just for old people. Okay, so Stuart, what I'm hearing is a long history of you trying to pull rabbits out of your hat for your mm -hmm. mom. Yeah, that's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, and nothing really being good enough, you know, nothing making enough of a difference in her life to make you feel good that you were accomplishing something there. So you, no matter how much work you did to try to make her life good, it just didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Okay, so... Underneath every resentment we have, and which is why it's so important not to put ourselves down for any feeling, because underneath every resentment we have is a corresponding personal regret. So thinking about how you've put so much energy trying to pull rabbits out of your hat for your mom and how unsuccessful ultimately it's been, no matter how much effort and good faith effort and good hearted effort that you've put in here, what is it that you regret now? And my, I suspect that it's going to have something to do with time, by the way, because the issue that's coming up with your mother at age 91 is around time for you. Well, it's around time for me and around time for her. I feel that she had just let so much time go. Right. That's her, though. I, but, Stuart, what's your regret around time? Yeah, yours. That that I couldn't have seen her happier, and so we could have no. That's done a re more. that's a sadness for her. But what's yeah, your but personal regret towards yourself? When you have a resentment, you're re underneath that. You're regretting something for yourself. Oh boy, I don't know. Yeah, I keep I keep hearing you get focused back on your mom. And well, I'm, but, it's, but it's me, too. It, it's my right. being able to have quality time with her right? And happy, and happy times with her. Right. But what about even for yourself in your own life? How much energy, when you weren't even around your mom, did you put into thinking about your mom and trying to make her happy and trying to think of the next thing you could think of and the next thing you could do for her? I, I, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, we would go visit and we would call and we would try a few things, but also finally just realized she wasn't going to make the the kind of changes. And um, But before so, you realize that, you must have spent a lot of emotional time and energy on this. I can hear it. Stuart, you're a good guy with a big heart. It's clear. So... What is it that you regret for yourself? How did you, what did you not do for yourself when you were focused on your mom's emotional health or needs? Oh, I think part of it was not being able to truly enjoy as much as I would have liked to things that, um, that I was doing or that my wife and I were, were okay. doing. Okay, there you go. Bingo, you just got there. So, Stuart, we've got just a couple minutes left here. What I want to encourage you to do so strongly is to take the resentment as a red flag for yourself right now that comes up, okay? And realize that underneath it is, it's like it's this scab here 
that and what's coming up for you is the regret about not spending the time to make yourself happy as much as you could have and to do things with your wife and to make an agreement right now in your life that you're going to prioritize yourself and your wife and your own happiness even more than you have. That sounds good. It sounds good. Good. I'm glad it sounds good. It sounds good to be able to say it to you because you're such a good person and it's what you deserve. Your mom has never been able to let you off the hook, has, is not going to take you out of jail. You've got to do that for yourself and make a commitment to make your own life good so that the legacy she leaves is not one that's sad and negative, but is a lesson learned for you and something that you take with you and you make your own life even better as a result. Mm-hmm. All right? I will do that. Good for you, Stuart. I really want to acknowledge you for that. And I'm sure your wife will be happy about this, too. I'm sure she will. Okay, very good. Well, take care and let me know how you're doing. Thanks, Shane. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? Well, Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Now, through the opportunities that only education can provide, Room to Read strives to break the cycle of poverty one child at a time. Room to Read's success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. So, support Room to Read today and help provide a brighter future for a child in need. World change starts with educated children. For more information on how you can help, visit www.roomtoread.org. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert, Jane Strauss. What would you like to ask Jane? Her email is jane at janestrauss.com, S-T-R-A-U-S dot com. For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. And we've got Tim on the line right now. So, Tim, how are you doing? Great. How are you, Jane? Fine, thanks. So tell us what we can uh, help you with today. What's going on for you? Well, let me uh, let me just say that uh, I don't know whether it's a midlife crisis or just just uh, boredom with doing the same job for thirty years, or maybe uh, discovering that you know I need to exercise my creative side instead of my uh, linear side. But I just don't have any enthusiasm for the job that I've done for, you know, 30 years. And you know, I just don't have that sort of excitement about getting up and doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the problem is it pays well. And then if you were to do something else, it may not pay at all. <laughs> uh-huh. So, like, uh, you know, travel to, you know, you know help people and, you know, and, Guinea or something, you know, it may be rewarding, but I may not pay well. That's where I'm really stuck is, you know, making that transition from, you know, something I've done all my life to something new uh-huh. uh, to be so, more excited and to have more, you know, more fun. So do you really feel like the bottom line fear that you have is around the financial or is that just kind of one layer of it and there's something else that stops you from making this jump? No, it's probably, you know, just financial or, you know, afraid of losing uh, sort of the lifestyle that I've grown accustomed to or uh, afraid of trying something new and then, you know, spending my retirement savings, you know, trying to pursue it and with the uncertainty of whether it will pan out financially. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's some pressure to have it be everything, to have this next uh, leap include everything you've already had, the financial security, your retirement, uh, along with this very, you know, creative or helpful aspect of your life. That's putting a lot, it sounds to me like it's putting a lot of pressure on yourself 
to fit all these pieces together here. Why is it that you feel like you have to do that? Um, well, I suppose that, you know, I could do something part-time and do my normal job full-time. But, you know, it's like I feel like you can't really serve two masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, do one well. I mean, you can do one thing well and one thing sort of okay or two things badly. So, you know, I've been sort of a black or white person, and I feel like if I'm going to do something, I just want to throw myself into it and do it really well. Uh-huh, which is admirable. Uh, is there? Are you afraid of disappointing or letting anybody else down by making this decision to leave the the security and do something that might not have that kind of guarantee? Is there someone who depends on you? Is there someone you're afraid would be upset? Uh, not upset, uh, but I do feel, you know, I'm married, and I do feel that, uh, you know, it's been my responsibility to just hold the fort down and pay the bills while my wife has a chance to do things that are more creative, you know, more entrepreneurial. Uh-huh. Uh, we're both doing it. I just, you know, I would certainly be concerned that, you know, neither one of us might realize our goals. Uh-huh. You're, you'd be concerned that if you made this switch, neither one of you would be able to realize your goals, you mean? Yeah, because then we'd both be doing something entrepreneurial, and then we'd have to radically reduce or change our lifestyle or, you know, that type of thing. Uh-huh. So, so that's the concern, right? You know, one of the things that, you know, I think that, that a lot of people are hearing this and probably feel very similarly to you and are, are on that kind of precipice that you're looking at, and they what they see in front of them is this abyss, because you can't see any farther ahead than you can see, and you can't know what you can't know. And so sometimes um, one of the things that I do is I think about myself in the last moments of my life, and I think, what would I look back on and regret, and what would I look back on and feel good about if I could make a prediction? So, you know, I'm just going to ask you to do that for a moment with me here, Tim, okay? So if this was really, you know, if you were taking your last breaths here, um, if you look back and you stayed with what you're doing and you, you know, you stayed the steady course and you built up your retirement and you kept your life, supported your wife in, in doing her entrepreneurial things and her creative things, um, and you didn't take this leap and do and make this change for yourself, is it a pat on the back for yourself or is it a regret? Probably be a regret. Probably. I mean, there's so many things, there's so many things I'd love to do, and you know, maybe I should have done them, you know, my twenties. But now I'm almost fifty. Uh huh. I'd like, you know, I'd like to do them. So I think it would be a regret. It would be I a regret. Okay, let me ask you. Another, let me ask you the other way around for a moment here before we go on. Okay. Uh huh. So if you imagine yourself again in the same place, it's the end of your life, and you've made. The changes you did what your heart and your spirit wanted you to do and you took the risk and indeed the things didn't all fit together and and you didn't uh, have retirement at the end of the line there that you were hopeful of and there was some stress even around money um, and finances and things were not as easy as you were used to having them be financially and you and your wife was disappointed even in it, and she had to make some changes. And it, so it was not all so easy. No rose-colored glasses here. But you did the things that your heart and spirit spoke to you about. Would you have a regret there? Uh, probably so. Probably um, so. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, you know, you can uh, do missionary work and, you know, in, uh, you know, Ecuador and do 10 or 15 years of that and end your life and you have nothing. But, uh, you know, sort of you're coming to a place where you don't have as much energy just because physically you mm-hmm. maybe not don't, don't have the same capabilities. So you've done those things with your final sort of intense fire, right, of life. Mm-hmm. And then you come to the end of that and then you, you know, have to be taken care of somehow because, you know, things didn't work out. That would be a little sad. 
Okay. You know, because right. these days we can live to be 80 or 90, and, and that's what's frightening. Right. So, Tim, what it sounds like is you're in kind of between a rock and a hard place. Here's what I see the difficulty for you is that if whichever choice you make— you're go- you're setting yourself up to imagine at least that you're going to feel some regret. Uh, well, there is the other alternative is that I I do the things in my dreams and then have more than enough money that I that I need. But that's an be- unknown. That's- we have to take we have to take the situation that could be that's the the thing that's holding you back and ask, would you regret it? I mean, you know, sometimes I'll ask someone, you know. Um, if you went back to school and, you know, you took that risk to go back to school and get the degree and then you hated the work that came with it, would you regret that you went back? And they'll tell me, no, I'll feel good that at least I did it, that I took the risk. And then mm-hmm. it, and that means there's a clear decision there, that it's just about, you know, taking that breath, making that leap and doing what your spirit is calling you to do. But the situation is different for you here because what you're expressing is that you're you could anticipate feeling a regret either way. The only way you wouldn't regret it is if all the duckies got lined up in a row just perfectly, and nobody can predict that. Right. So there's three outcomes, right? None of which you can predict because there's life is uncertain. Right. The first is continue on with sort of boredom but good pay, and then you know at some point when you're confident that everything's taken care of for retirement, you then do something at an older, you know, later point. But it's uncertain you'll ever get there, right? Right. Everything could turn badly there about that, too. Tim, I, Tim, I can tell that you've thought all this through, you know, all the what-ifs, and you've got, it's almost like I can hear this matrix you have in your mind mm-hmm. about all of this. But be knowing all the matrix isn't getting you anywhere at this point that's new and different it's kind of keeping you it sounds like in this stuck place so the real one of the questions i want to ask you here to explore with me in the few minutes that we have left is is there an alternative right now something today that you could do in your life that you know that on your deathbed you would look back and say that one i have no regret about um, no matter what the I, outcome. I don't know. Okay. That's the well, one. That's why, that's why I'm stuck. Right. <laughs> that's the one you want to be looking for here is the one that gives you the no regret regardless of the outcome because we cannot control and know all the outcomes in life, as you know. And so mm-hmm. what you have to do is know ahead of time that you're willing to take that leap because it's worth it and because you're not going to hold yourself with a regret, you're not going to beat yourself up in any way, no matter how it turns out. That's the option that you want to look at here. What would that be for you right now? Right. Well, that's just a choice, right? One can just choose to say, well, whatever I do, I'm just not going to regret it, right? Even if I end up award of the state, right? <laughs> you right. Could, I mean, I just, I'm yes. just, you know, I made some choices and I didn't work out the way I hoped. And, and here I am at the end of life with nothing. Right. right? And you're right, you're right there, Tim, because ideally that's the thing that would be best for all of us to do is to not have that hammer over our heads and, right. and not treat ourselves as though we should have been omniscient and, uh, and you know, beat ourselves up and flail ourselves for doing the best we could and for doing great things even in life. And, right. you know, so if you, could, if you could say right now that you could do that, that would be the ideal. If you could make yeah. a new agreement with yourself right now that no matter what you do, if you make a change, you're not going to beat yourself up. You are not going to hold it as a regret. You're going to make that agreement, even if you have to make that agreement every day with yourself, then you will have done yourself a great service and you'll probably feel that you're unstuck. Right. Can well, you... I, don't know what it, I don't know what it is, so I'm stuck. It, you don't have to know the what it is. What you have to do is make the agreement first. You've been trying to figure out what to do first, but if you make the agreement first, you'll get clear. Oh, you mean just to say, well, if I do A, B, or C, stay the course, do something new, or, you know, whatever, or, or some kind of 
compromise, then what you're saying is I just have to make the agreement with myself that it's going to be okay if I uh, things don't work out well. Exactly. Exactly. And you're not going to beat yourself up. You're not going to do that to yourself because really the definition of freedom, as you may know, is the non-attachment to outcome. And non-attachment to outcome doesn't mean we don't care about outcomes, but it means that we don't attach our goodness, our badness. We don't make value judgments about ourselves as people based on the outcomes in life. Right. And once we do that, we really find freedom. And once we feel freedom, we have options in front of us. Life becomes more of a smorgasbord of choices instead of feeling like we're up against the wall with things. You know, it's it's funny uh, because I always thought that it would be ideal if everybody had two lives. Uh-huh. One, one which is the wholly responsible doing what you should do, and the other is do whatever your heart tells you, uh-huh. you know, and damn the consequences. Uh-huh. And that's uh, it's, what you're saying is we really should be sort of I mean, to not feel regret, we really should be in, in the second category is, is there should only be one life and you should do what your heart tells you to do and, and be okay with the consequences. That's right, because then you don't feel that split and you don't feel that you're constantly having to choose between just two things because it's not really like that when you feel the freedom. When you're not right. holding that hammer over your head, you find that there are that really there are more choices than just two, and you're not feeling split between being one kind of person and another. And you really take yourself out of the prison when you do that. Right. Well, that makes sense. I can <sighs> understand that. Okay. So um, just right now, how does that feel to you? Uh, it feels like an enormous amount of you know personal reprogramming because it's hard <laughs> to just wake up one day and say, oh, you know what? You know, even though for 50 years I've planned and been careful and you know, methodical and had a wonderful life, right, and even if it keeps going, it'll probably still be wonderful, I'll just miss some stuff. And all I have to do is be okay about it, yeah. right? Well, you know, and that's hard. Right. <laughs> it, it, it is because it is reprogramming, and freedom is something that we have to earn within ourselves, really. It doesn't come naturally to us. Constrictions come naturally, and freeing ourselves is really a process and a very conscious and conscientious process. But you really owe it to yourself, and I hope you do it for yourself. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep that in mind and figure out how to feel good about whatever the consequences of life Good, because you know what? I think the world will be a better place for you, Tim, having done that. I trust that completely. So that's all the time we have today. Be sure to join me next week for another great Ask Jane show here on Green 960. Thanks for listening. This has been the Ask Jane show with relationship expert Jane Strauss. Send an email to jane at janestrauss.com with your relationship concern if you'd like to get some helpful advice right here on the show. You can also visit her at janestrauss.com to read excerpts from her powerful book, Enough is Enough, and find out more about how to stop enduring and start living the life you've always wanted. Tune in next Saturday at 4 p.m. when Jane will talk with listeners about their personal concerns. Until next week, may you wake up each day inspired to make the most of your extraordinary life.